Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Spin Class. We're talking politics. Your host, Michael Fragan, here on the Nachum Siegel Network, NachumSiegel.com, and on the NSN app. And it is uh, Thursday morning, March the 26th. United States, New York State, five towns area where I live, uh, under siege from the invisible CV-19 coronavirus. And I uh, just want to start off, first and foremost, expressing pain and anguish at the loss of a fellow Hutzel member, yet Silverman's are all 31. Uh, absolute gem of a guy. And uh, he succumbed to the coronavirus uh, funerals yesterday. It, it's hard to express some of this uh, pain and anguish that some of uh, some of us on the front lines feel about it. And uh, unfortunately... Rahman Lutzlan, there's going to be others. There are going to be people, and there have been already. There have been people close to us. Everybody is going to know somebody who passed away from this virus. And the numbers are going to be... I mean, the numbers already are, are, are staggering. Approaching 1,000 deaths in the United States, centered around New York, New York City. And I know that a lot of people want to wish that uh, things are going to be over. It's going to be over before Pesach, be over by Pesach. We're going to be, be real open. President wants them open by Easter. I don't know. I don't. I, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to assess that. But what I do know is the healthcare system, and this will apply throughout the country, I want to get to that in a second, that people are not do not feel this evenly, and I think the president is correctly expressing that, is that obviously the cases are not distributed equally. Throughout the country, right now, obviously the preponderance of cases are New York, California, Washington, but New York, uh, very, very significant, and particular hospitals in New York City starting to see immense strain. We see Elmhurst Hospital in Queens, which is uh, overloaded on a good day. Literally uh, buckling under the surge of people walking in as well as being transported by ambulance to the emergency room there. Uh, you see pictures of people literally hundreds lined up standing in order to get checked, which, of course, is tragic because, look, this is the United States of America, and we are a first world country with a first world health care system. Now, as with everything, it's uneven with the delivery and depending on where you live and where you are. I mean, that's a, that's a given. I mean, not everything is exactly going to be exactly the same for everybody. Not every government service is exactly the same all around the country. Not every school is exactly the same all around the country. Not every hospital is exactly the same all around the country. Not every medical clinic, doctor, etc. There's always going to be differences. But the idea right now that people looking for testing and looking for some relief from this coronavirus have to stand outside for hours and hours on end, potentially infecting other people, getting worse themselves 
in order to get seen because I guess they can't get anywhere and they can't get to another facility. Um, that's there, there is a tragedy in that as well. And it's not as if, right, so now we talk about the equipment. Now we talk about PPE, um, personal protective equipment. We talk about masks, gowns, gloves, and 95 respirator masks. It's not as if they aren't out there. It's just they're not getting to the right places. And that's, you know, that's going to be the case often. But I will say, and I, I, I know this uh, firsthand, what's going on now is kind of this uh, market mentality. I like the market mentality. and We like the market <clears throat> in a time when it's not a crisis because the market works and it's efficient. But in a place where it's a crisis, when you have different governments competing with each other for the same equipment... And they come in and they buy equipment or bid each other up. It, and the equipment doesn't necessarily go to the right place, but it goes to the highest bidder. That is not a good recipe for solving the needs and the emergency, the, the emergent needs to combat the coronavirus. Uh, I wish it was different, but... The reality right now is um, the way our emergency management works in general is even though there is FEMA, even though there is the federal government, really, and this is something that didn't hasn't changed since Katrina. We all were absolutely, absolutely um, shocked and surprised by what happened in Katrina, where the federal government response was so inadequate to the suffering that was going on in New Orleans. Um, because really, at its core, and we saw this in Puerto Rico as well, the federal job is to support state and local governments in what they need and to stand behind them. And the president has expressed this, and he's not wrong about it. Unfortunately, when you have a... when you have a countrywide crisis that's going on right now. It's hard to know how to not federalize the response and to allocate resources as they're needed. I mean, if New York needs 20,000 respirators and you're only sending 400, you're only sending 4,000 and there's a stockpile sitting there in a federal stockpile, you know, there's going to be a wave and just like it happened in China and New York is going to get a wave and then it's going to spread to the rest of the country because we have open movement and we've had open movements and we know that the virus sits there for a while before it explodes in a certain in certain populations that's what's happening in Europe that's what happened in New York that's probably what's going to happen elsewhere in the country it's not as if you're going to stop I know Florida is saying okay anybody who comes from New York has have to quarantine for 14 days what about the people who are already there so I don't know that you're going to be able to wall yourself off if you're elsewhere in the country or even upstate New York or elsewhere to wall yourself off from the spread of this virus just because you say, okay, it's happening in New York City. It's happening in the New York City suburbs. And bottom line is the virus does not respect political boundaries. It doesn't respect political parties. It's not Democrat. It's not Republican. It's about people, 
and it's affecting people. And there's nobody around. There's nobody I know who doesn't know somebody who's been affected adversely and severely by this virus. And this is a true crisis. Certainly a crisis for our firm community in having to shut down communal institutions. And perhaps we were a little bit too late in not shutting down for perm. That seems to be where the explosion occurred, particularly in the five towns and that aftermath. And what's going on right now, my friends, is, is, is difficult. It's difficult to say the least. These are very, very tough times. Please, God, we're going to get through them. It is Rosh Chodesh Nisan today. And we're thinking to ourselves, exactly two weeks till Pesach, what is our Pesach, <coughs> excuse me, what is our Pesach going to look like? And we don't know. And we don't know. But the biggest challenge that we have as a healthcare system and as governments is to not be overwhelmed by the flood of coronavirus patients because the hospitalization and then the ventilator, there just aren't enough vents for all the people who, who might need them, assuming the percentages are the same as they are in Italy or they are elsewhere, we've seen already. There are 30, almost 31,000 cases in New York State. 4,500 in New Jersey. <laughs> Excuse me. And that's with a very, and in New York, they're struggling with a very robust healthcare system, very large and expansive healthcare system, lots of healthcare options. What do you do if you go to a place and you go to a town in a more rural part of America? And they don't have any ICU beds, and they don't have any. They don't have an ICU in the hospital, and they don't have any ventilators, and some don't only have one doctor. Then what? And I know this. There is this thought that we need to we need to move on. I see some conservative thinkers saying that we can't tank the economy forever. Irreparable harm. We need to move on. But as Governor Cuomo said, and I think he has been extremely, extraordinarily effective in his sobering assessments of this crisis, is who is expendable? Who are we willing to sacrifice in order to move the economy forward? Whose mother, whose uncle, whose cousin? Who are we willing to sacrifice in order to move the economy forward? And I know from theologically, from where we come from, it's a no-brainer. It's not much of a choice. Human life above all others. Hospitals are now debating universal DNR orders. For those of you who are not aware what a DNR is, and you should never have to know, but these are standard things that people, it's called do not resuscitate. 
right? You don't want any heroic measures to be taken. Essentially, I don't want to be intubated. I don't want somebody to go ahead and breathe for me or take extraordinary measures or or shock me back to life or my loved one. I know me shouldn't say that, but that would be a DNR. I don't want any extraordinary measures to be going and I don't want to I don't want to have a situation where I might be in a vegetative state. I mean, those that's the motivation some people don't have for having DNRs. And they might just say, okay, well, there's going to be universal DNR. Everybody, nobody is going to get a respirator unless they specifically ask for one, which, of course, kind of turns the whole Hippocratic Oath and it turns the whole you know, ethos of medicine on its head. But these are the kind of times that we're living in right now that we might get to rationing of medicine and rationing of healthcare, And it's a scary, scary time. And this is with a very robust healthcare system, with a very expensive healthcare system, my friends. It's very tough. Our healthcare workers are stressed. They're tired. They're stretched. It's not easy. It's not easy to see what's going on. It's been a couple of days since I've been to the hospital, since I've taken a patient to the hospital. But even when I was there, it was it was it's difficult what's going on. And it's young people as well. It's not just the old people. Don't fool yourself into thinking that it's only those over 60, over 70. Those are the most vulnerable, but there are plenty of people who are sick, who are severely sick, who need interventions, who are young. So to politics for a second, and it's tough. It's tough to talk about politics. Anybody even remember there was a Democratic primary? Doesn't that seem so long ago that Joe Biden kind of just wrapped this thing up? And Bernie Sanders is still in it. He still wants to debate. Biden's like, nah, not doing it. No reason to debate. It's done. Might as well. And as I said, the virus doesn't respect political parties, doesn't respect borders. It has its own timeline. It's going to decide how it's going to go. And it just shows us we are so powerless next, next to whatever plans the Kodesh Baruch Hu has for us. So powerless. And talk about the president for a second. And I like and admire the fact that he goes on TV every day and he stands before the American people. And projects authority. And, you know, he's really, he has, he's kind of, it's very clear that he's of different minds here. I think he knows it's a crisis, as opposed to earlier on when he said it wasn't. And there's no question he said it wasn't. I mean, there's, there's, I mean, he was asked whether it's going to be a pandemic in January, and he said no. You know, there's a couple cases. They're going to go away. That's it. There's a report this morning that Department of Homeland Security and the NSC had a pandemic playbook. And 
they didn't follow it, meaning the federal government, the White House didn't follow it. Um, I mean, it's, you know, the tendency in the administration is to throw out everything that obviously that everything was broken before he got there and it was political and it was disaster. And, but just remember that, you know, everything was terrible before he got there, but that's not entirely the case. I mean, the government used to run. And the amazing thing is, um, you know, the president voiced it yesterday. He was asked a question about, he had sent a tweet saying that the, clearly those who don't want him to open the open the country by Easter, want the country to fail, and it's all about politics. And he was asked about that. He says, oh, I deny that as politics. And then the question, he answered it and said exactly it was. I mean, that's not, I mean, I, that's, the, that's the president's impulses. And I don't, ha- I don't have an issue with him admitting that there is, there are people that want to use this crisis to attack solely about him. And instead of coming together to try and solve this crisis, and I think Andrew Cuomo has done a good job of that and not criticizing the president by name, despite the shortcomings of the federal government here and the federal government's response. But having said that, that doesn't mean that should color every response that the president has to the crisis. And I think that bottom line is the United States was not on the ball, did not rush to get equipment and ready. The vents, the ventilators in the national stockpile are still sitting there, apparently. Massive amounts of personal protective equipment are still sitting there. They're not going to the, they haven't been going to the right places. Some of them are, but it's been very piecemeal. It's been very reactive. Despite the fact that there are experts out there and the team and Mike Pence has, I think done a, an excellent job. I mean, you certainly the authority of the vice president to get things done across agencies, despite all the bureaucratic infighting that is the Trump administration is famous for right now. But, Having said that, there have been some shortcomings. FEMA wasn't really activated right away. Didn't seem like all the federal agencies were going in the same direction. And clearly, you know, one of the issues is been the disbandment. No, that's not the right word. Abandonment or disbanding. That's the word I was looking for disbanding of that NSC pandemic office. That was essentially going to war game. Was going to war game out response to the pandemic. And that office obviously no longer and there doesn't seem to be have anybody have been there to kind of direct and understand the magnitude of what was going on right away.
folks, there's no silver bullet for this. There's no, but there's nothing out there that's going to come right away. The vaccine, this hydrochloroquine, despite what that doctor from Curious Joel said. I mean, I hope it does work. I hope it's great. I mean, let's just remember, and I, I can't even, I, I feel like I have to express this publicly because this is a true example of the arsonist and the firefighter being the same person. And I don't know this guy. I've never met him. I don't know who he is, etc. But this doctor who practices up in Curious Joel went out and told the media that 90% of the village of Curious Joel was infected with the coronavirus based on nothing. No evidence whatsoever. He actually said it afterward. 90%. Now, we all know the tensions that exist within the Hudson Valley about the Hasidic community and the growth of Hasidic community and how, you know, I mean, the legacy of what happened with measles and the vaccinations and the anger about that. To have that out there, that 90% are unvaccinated. And now he's saying, well, all these people are getting treated with the hydrochloroquine. And he's doing seeing enormous success. So he could then go on Sean Hannity and go on other media shows to talk about it and send a video. I mean, this is not how you talk about medicine and cures is by recording videos in order to hype your practice when, in fact, they're really the crisis is kind of one that you manufactured. I mean, yes, coronavirus is a real and existential threat, but the 90% number is just an alarmist, bogus number so that you did to get attention for yourself so that you could then hype the president's recommendation that people should use this experimental treatment that you yourself are doing, that you can then go ahead and get yourself on TV. That's shameful if you're a medical professional. That's my opinion. Absolutely shameful. Um, I, I don't even understand the what you're thinking. If you practice there and you know what's going on and you know the tensions that exist out there that people should think. And yes, the Satma Rebbe is positive and other people are positive and obviously it should be a wake-up call to everybody. That the from community, Hasidic community was very slow to recognize the, <coughs> the threat of the coronavirus. And it took this call with Avi Berkowitz from the White House in order to get them to shut down their mostos, which in and of itself is a very sad commentary. I know that a lot of Jewish organizations or Jewish media have kind of hyped this call and saying, oh, what a great thing that the White House cared about the fact that, um, you know, what the Hasidish Mostos were doing. I mean, what kind of commentary is that about our community that we don't listen to our public health officials? We don't listen to the governor. We don't listen to the county executive. We don't listen to all these people who are there to protect our lives. Only when the White House tells us something that we can go ahead and do it. That's not a, that's not a good commentary. That's not something that we should be proud of. So, I would be remiss if I didn't mention what's going on in Israel. Obviously, they have their coronavirus crisis themselves, draconian measures of distancing and 
quarantining and everybody has to stay away from each other in Israel. And you had this awful pictures of the in Sharim of the Israeli police having to go in there and shut down businesses because, you know, the issue of Hayasha and the Eda Haredis crowd, they don't they they think obviously that they're above virus and above science and you know I don't know it, it I will tell you this uh I don't didn't know well let me put it this way I know that especially when Haredi Jews when they want doctors and when they have cancer and other diseases they always want to go to the best doctor they want the best science they want everything somehow when it comes to these public health issues the science themselves it's very suspect they don't want to listen. Um, I don't, it's always it's a little bit surprising, and I don't want to be generalized. I don't want to say it applies to everybody, but that you know that's something we saw with regard to measles, which was always a little bit shocking. Uh, but what happened in Israel was Yuli Edelstein, the Knesset speaker, rather than bring the Knesset back as the Supreme Court told him to do, he resigned. So it's kind of unclear as to how Israel will move on. In a time of crisis, obviously they have a caretaker government, but and people are dying, unfortunately. And you know, now the Supreme Court had to step in to solve a political question, which is kind of how the Knesset organizes itself. And uh, you know, that's never good for the judiciary to be taking the place of elected legislators. It's not good in the United States. It's not good in Israel. It's not good elsewhere. These are political decisions, and politicians should, you know, you got to do your duty. You have a job, and even if you don't like the political outcome or the potential political outcome, you got to do it because those are the rules, and that's what you swore. You know, when you take an oath or you take a, you know, oath of office, that's what you have to do. Let's talk about the stimulus for a second. And, uh, you know, the stimulus... Two trillion dollars, something for everybody. Democrats tried to load it up with their typical thing. Republicans, I mean, just politics at its worst. I don't know what to say. I mean, it would have been nice if everybody could have come together and decided to do this, throwing in all kinds of you know craziness. But uh, folks, um, to be continued. We will uh, reconvene next week here on the Nachum Single Network. This is Spin Glass with Michael Fragan. Stay tuned for you in the city speaks with Alison Josephs. Thank you.